0: Alright, um, can you see that? Can you give me a thumbs up if you can see the screen? Alrighty. Now we've, uh, we've kind of gone through two weeks of this series, uh, the vision series or whatever. Um, and uh, last week I talked about vision and then we talked about mission. And so today we're talking about our values today. And so just to recap where we've been, um, two weeks ago I said that Kingsway's vision statement is to see the gospel revive our generation and beyond. And so there's a lot of elements here. I unpacked it in that talk, uh, not so much a sermon, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, we want to see the gospel, which is really the solution to the root problem that we see everywhere, which is sin, right? The gospel is the solution. We want to see the gospel bring revival, right? And it begins with our generation. And that, fr- that phrase is both generic in that it means something to everyone. And so no matter who you are, our generation, everyone has one, uh, but also specific uh, to you know, most of us here, Uh, to second gen immigrants or maybe more specifically second gen Koreans right because we are in this kind of weird between phase where we don't belong maybe you know in a church with our parents and we don't belong maybe in the local church and we're trying to find a space for ourselves and so we want to see the gospel revive our generation and then kind of from there flow out right beyond right and I heard um, some people say that sounds like uh, Pixar um, but you know yeah, too bad um, And so, beyond to outward and onward outward being greater diversity and onward to you know the coming generations and so that's our vision statement um last week i talked about our mission and our mission is super simple i said this about 500 times last week and so hopefully you've memorized it our mission is to love the king and live his way and so this is what we're trying to do in order to you know get to that vision which is a long way off and what we're trying to do in our lives, what we're trying to do um, uh, and see happen in you know, other people's lives in the church, and what we want to see happen in the de-churched and unchurched, is for people to love the king and live his way. And these are the two greats, simplified, right, greatly simplified, and put into now, our own words with our church name kind of linked into it. And I know it's a bit confusing, right? Trying to understand what's vision and what's mission. And so I came up with an example. Maybe this will help you, This is a fictional company called Living Water and they make bottled water, right? So let's imagine there's a company called Living Water. They make bottled water. Their vision statement might be to be the most loved bottled water company in all of Australia, That's their vision, right? To be the most loved bottled water in all of Australia. They want to get there and their mission would be or could be to bottle the purest and cheapest mountain water, right? And so that mission, that's what they're doing right now. What are we doing? We're trying to bottle the purest and cheapest mountain water. And so every day they're looking at that thing and they're saying, are we on track? Are we doing the right thing? Yes. And they tick the boxes. We're bottling the purest and cheapest mountain water with the belief that if they keep doing that one day, they'll get to their vision, which is to be the most loved bottled water in all of Australia. But does it kind of make sense? But the mission is what we're doing to get to the vision right? The vision is where we want to end up at. And so for us, we're, we want to love the king, live his way. And if we do that in our days and in our weeks, right, I believe that we will get closer to our vision, which is to see the gospel revive our generation and beyond. Right? So that's just a recap. And today we're looking at values, right? Values. And so values are the common convictions that King's Way holds, right? And it guides and shapes all of our actions, and so uh, values can be talked about as convictions or ideals. This is our ethos that comes in, principle. Um, this is the most helpful kind of phrase that I found to define values. Values are not what, what you do, uh, but values are what characterize everything you do. Uh, so a value is not, you know, something it's not a task it's not something you do but it's kind of like this underlying dna that uh, colors everything that you do and when there's two decisions that you're trying to you're trying to make a decision and there's two options now this is where kind of values come in and the value might lead to one being uh, the better choice because it aligns with your values and sometimes values will make you do things sometimes values will make you not do things but really it's what characterizes right, what we do And so an example of this is, you know, I remember talking to my brother and he was talking about Amazon, right? The company, one of their values is frugality. Frugality, right? Being frugal, right? Um, I think that's another word for being like, we're being cheap, right? And so that's not something you do, but it affects everything you do, right? And so Amazon, because they value frugality, it would lead to things like minimizing staff hiring, right? Getting the most out of the least amount of people, Right, always trying to cut budgets, right? Encourage resourcefulness, and maybe pay your employees less, right? I don't know. We'll have to ask my brother. Um, but you know, because that's a value, it kind of bleeds into all these other things they do, right? And that's what a value is, right? I think of it as it's like our color. Um, you know, if people step into Kingsway, they should be able to see the values kind of affecting all of the things that we do. Right? It should be embedded into our DNA. And so I want to talk about five values uh, that we want to push at Kingsway, right? These are uh, not exhaustive. These aren't the only things that are important. But if we had to pick five, these are the core five values that we want to see embedded into everything that we do. And these five values align with the five Gs, right? Because again, if we're trying to love the king and live his way, the five Gs are really that broken down. Okay, what do we practically have to do? We need to gather, we need to grow, we need to give, we need to go for the glory of God. And I've aligned our values with each of those five very important things, right, the five things that will define our church structure. And so we're going to jump into it. I've got five things to say. Number one, the first value is life together. And this aligns to the gather, right, gather. This kind of qualifies the gather. You know, at Kingsway we value life Together, It's not just church together, not just Sundays together, not just ministry together. We're trying to do life together. Right? We're a faith family and we want to see each other in that kind of way. Right? And so at the heart of it is true, genuine, loving relationships that break through the surface level to the most honest and raw parts of who we are. Right. So I'm opening myself up to you, you're opening yourself up to me, and this will then uh, affect a whole bunch of different things that we will do or we won't do. Right. So some of our closest relationships should be found right here at Kingsway, right, because we're doing life together. And even though we're trying to love the king, we're trying to live his way, we're doing that right together. Right. We're doing this life together, and we're doing it for life right? And so this is the idea of life together. And so if you look at this passage, the early church, they really did life together, right? And all of these values, by the way, I've talked about before. So this is just a refresher. Uh, we've touched on all of these values, but, you know, we, we looked at this earlier in the year and the early church, uh, they, number one, they devoted themselves to fellowship, right? That's what verse 42 says. They devoted themselves to, you know, teaching and prayer, but it says they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And often we treat you know, the Bible or prayer as higher spiritual activities and hanging out in fellowship as something not important. But in reality, fellowship and doing life together is vitally important. Right? Wasting time together is vitally important. Right? And they devoted themselves to a fellowship that was daily. Right? That's what verse 44 says. All who believed were together, And then verse 46, and day by day, right, they went to the temple and broke bread. And so this is a faith that wasn't just uh, compartmentalized to Sundays or when I'm with the team or when I'm on Zoom, right? This is church people, so I'm at church. But then when I leave Zoom, you know, I'm going to do my own life and you don't bleed into my life. That's not how it works. But, you know, the faith and the people of faith are kind of saturating them Monday to Sunday. And this is what we desire. This is what we value at Kingsway. You know, we Christians are, are no different from the rest of the world. Uh, we crave genuine community. Right? Even the most introverted of us, we want to belong. Uh, we, want, we find joy and comfort knowing that there's a group of people that we can rely on uh, when things go bad that we can go to. Right? And we were made for this. Right? Adam in the garden um, had everything uh, that he could ever need. Right? He had all the food, uh, he had the animals, he had a relationship with God, he walked with him, and yet God said, for the first time, it is not good when he looked at Adam because he was alone. Right? So even though Adam had all these things, even a, a sinless relationship with God, what was not good is that he did not have that community. Right? We were made for this, we were wired for this, right? and we, we value it in our church. We want to, we want to find that community right here. Right. As with all these values that I'm going to talk about, um, we're not there yet. Uh, we, we have to put in some hard work, um, but this is what we're striving for. Um, it doesn't mean we're going to be best friends with everyone. It doesn't mean you're going to do one-on-ones with every single person. Um, but you know, in a realistic sense, as much as possible, we're going to find people to do life together with. And so this is the culture we're trying to build. This is one of our values. And this shows up in like so many different ways. And just to list a few, um, it means meeting outside of uh, official church events. It means just generally being open to people, right? Opening myself up to you. uh, and trying to get into your life. It means being honest uh, as I go through my journey, right? Celebrating our, our joys together and weeping together when things are tough, right? That's what doing life together looks like. It means inviting people into your daily life, right? Hanging out. Uh, I I like how people, you know, going on trips together, right? That's a part of doing life together. Uh, It means doing more than church tasks uh, with your ministry team or your growth group or your pastoral team, um, you know, because you're trying to do life together, not just tasks together, right? So I'm I'm talking to myself here. Um, I felt guilty. And so we went on our our first walk, you know, a few weeks ago. um, For the first time, we had some fun. Um, You know, valuing and participating in things that aren't, hyper-spiritual, like King's Court, right? It's just us hanging out, um, but this is a part of, you know, doing life together and sharing our talents, right? In all these ways and more, this is how the value of life together shows up. And I think it'd be a beautiful thing for people to step into Kingsway and look around and say, wow, these people uh, are not just, you know, they're not just sitting in chairs at this moment and then they go home and disperse, uh, but they are actually mingled in life, right? And they're sharing. Uh, in life together. All right, so that's the first value, life together, and it correlates with the gather. The second one correlates with the grow, and it's passionate theology. Now, this wording was hard to kind of land on, and just to be honest, this might change a little, um, but this is, this is what we are, we're at right now, passionate theology. And I've talked about this over the years um, quite a lot, and I used to phrase it like this, grounded theology soaring passion right you might have heard me say that or or you know preach on that and so on one hand we are grounded in our theology Right? we we love the truth we study the bible we we like to know god and know what the bible says about him and grow in that knowledge at the same time we're passionate expressive maybe at times emotional loud right and the reason why those two words are together is because we often think they are, you can have one or the other, right? And we think about churches who are very biblical and theological, scholarly, uh, but are dry, emotionless, right? Boring, right? And then on the flip side, you, you think about churches that are, you know, emotional, passionate, and everyone's really loud, but maybe the, the Bible knowledge is slim. They, they don't really know why they're emotional. They're, they're just emotional, right? Because the music is nice or whatever. And so we're trying to balance that and, and have both, right? We want to be uh, theological, but also passionate about it. Right? Jesus talks about um, spirit and truth and worshiping the father in spirit and truth in John 4. And so it's not just spirit. It's not just truth where you know stuff, but you need the spirit to work. And what, one of the things the spirit does is it, it, it allows your heart to uh, become alive and feel the things that you're reading in the Bible, right? It illuminates it so that things like sin and God's glory and the cross, right, become amazing things to us, right? So that's the spirit and truth. On the flip side, you don't just want, you know, spirit uh, because you need the truth of the Bible along with it. right? just to chuck in our Piper quote, because it wouldn't be a talk without Piper. Um, he says this, truth without emotion produces dead orthodoxy and a church full of artificial admirers. But on the other hand, emotion without truth produces empty frenzy and cultivates shallow people who refuse the discipline of rigorous thought. Right? So he's saying you can't have one without the other. Right, and then he goes on, but true worship comes from people who are deeply emotional and who love deep and sound doctrine. Strong affections for God rooted in truth are the bone and marrow of biblical worship. Right, and, so, and so at Kingsway, we want to be kind of really Bible uh, saturated. We want to know what we believe. Right? We want to study the scriptures, but then we want that to really fuel passion. Right? And I'd love it if we we are passionate, right? And maybe this is bringing in some of the the Koreanness that we've seen, but bring that into Kingsway, right? We want to be passionate about the things we believe in, and this will show up in again a whole bunch of stuff because it's a value. Um, but you know, in our preaching and teaching, we're trying to target the head. Right? We want to teach you things. We want to target the heart as well. We want you to feel things. It'll show up in our praying. We want to pray biblical prayers, but at the same time, our prayer can be emotional, right? It can be loud, right? In our singing, we want to sing good, meaty, theological songs at times, right? That's why we sing hymns here, but at the same time, we don't sing hymns like we're bored of it, but we're excited about it, right? And we don't just have to sing hymns, right? We can sing simple songs as well, which really express the heart, right? So we're trying to balance this and have a good balance of all these things. Now, I believe, and I've said this before, the the most biblical Christians should be the most passionate Christians, right? The more biblical we are, we should have more things that we are passionate about because, wow, this is what it says about God in the Bible. This is what it says about grace. This is what it says about me, but that should kind of stir our passion, right? The information in our heads leads to conviction in our hearts, then leads to transformation in our hands. Right, and so the Bible is a kindling to the flame of our hearts, and so the more Bible we get into ourselves, the more fuel to that flame we should have. And so, Kingsway, we want to be passionate in our theology. Our third value uh, this aligns to the giving, right? So, gather, gather, grow, give. This is radical generosity at Kingsway. You know, I'd love for us to value radical generosity, I want this to color all of our giving and all of our serving. And this will show up, you know, not just in money, I mean, in terms of our giving of time, giving of our energy, giving of ourselves, right? Generous in just giving in all these ways. A perfect love, when we think about perfect love, it is totally selfless and it is limitless. And as we embody that love and pour it out into other people, I want our giving then to be selfless and limitless, right? that we would waste ourselves on each other. All of our radical generosity is a poor imitation of the radical gospel, right? Jesus did it first. He was first radically generous to us. In the radical gospel, he gave himself, selfless, limitless, died on the cross. And we see that, and we believe that, and then that, that works through us to pour out into other people. You know, we know radical generosity when we see it and it, it inspires all of us, no matter who we are. I remember like this week, I, I read a story about this guy named John Kinney. I don't know if you've, you've read this. Uh, he's an electrician. He was called to a house uh, to an old woman. She's 72 years old. Her name's Gloria Scott. Her lights blew out, she, her uh, circuit breaker tripped and she was in darkness. So she called the electrician Electrician and John Kinney, the electrician came he fixed the lights and he went home. But he couldn't help uh, thinking about uh, the rest of her house when he went home because her, her house was run down. It was like really broken and things were a mess. And he was just inspired to uh, go back to her house. And basically he said to her, I'm just going to grab you know, a couple of dozen of my friends uh, who are also you know, plumbers and workers and we're going to fix up your home at no charge. So that's what they did. Uh, they created a Facebook page and in a month, it raised $115,000. Right now, they've raised one hundred and fifty. dollars right, to this point. And just people are just giving up their time to fix up a home free, right? They're fixing up hot water that didn't work for months. The kitchen sink was broken, fixed. Ceiling was full of holes, fixed. The back porch had broken down, fixed. she so needed new rain gutters, you know, walls, paint, et cetera, right? Dozens of people pouring in free money. And that Facebook page right now, has 15,000 members, right? They've got their own t-shirts. They call themselves the Glorious Gladiators. And it's kind of created a movement where people in different parts of America are saying, you know, I want to do a similar thing. So if anyone needs any help in this area of the city, you know, I'm here for you, right? When we hear that, we, we, that's radical generosity. It's like, you know, there's no reason you had to give, but you just chose to give and you gave in you know, a way over the top. And it doesn't matter who, who you are, Christian or not, Right. This inspires us. It, it warms our hearts. You know, and for me, uh, the church should be the place that embodies radical generosity. Right? We should see it in the church. But when we look at the early church, they were radically generous. Again, we looked at this earlier in the year. It says that they had all things in common, verse 44. Right? It's like, what's mine is yours. Right? Everything that we have, we're sharing amongst one another. And in verse 45, it says this: they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. Now, it doesn't matter who you are, what church you go to, right? that verse should like challenge you. They were selling what they had and just giving it out to people who needed it. Right? That's really radical. Out of any one, I think Christians should have more reasons to be generous. Right, there's so many reasons why we should be generous. I'm just going to rattle off a few. Number one, right, we know God provides. If we know God provides, it means I don't need to hold on to what I have. I can give it because if we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all things will be added to you. Right? I give, he will take care of me. Second, we know God's grace. Right? We know radical generosity at the cross. We've seen it. We've encountered it. And as we meditate on that, that should then pour out into other people. Number three, we know about eternal life, right? This life on earth is short and temporal, but we're going to a place where we will be forever, right? That should change the way that we steward what we have right now. And by the way, we can't take anything we have right now there, right? That should then also affect our generosity. Number four, we're in community that we're doing life together with, right? And if we have people here that we love, Right, well, it should be much more easier to be generous. Number five, God's mission. When some purpose or mission captures your heart, right, it's much more likely you're going to give to it. Right? We have a vision. We have a mission. At the end of the day, it's God's vision and God's mission, really. We've just worded it differently. And if you are a Christian, you're on mission for God. And that should mean that you have something to pour your time, energy, and finances into, right, which is God's Mission, right? All of these things and more should really make Christians radically generous. And as I look at King's Way, I'm really encouraged, right? Over the last like nine, ten months, we've like I've seen generosity, right? In general, and like these specific examples. And maybe I can't name them all, but I think of like when Sam and Eunice were getting married and we all kind of rallied together, you know, to make videos and to, you know, uh, bless them financially. And I, I thought that's that's just yes. I was like, yes, right, generous. I see it in personal acts of care when people are are going through tough times, people post on the prayer wall, and then secretly people are dropping off coffees or whatever. All of that, right, generosity. I see it in our PayPal offering, right? We've been very generous. I see it in our ministries, the time and energy we're giving up. People are secretly like serving in the background and we never see it. All of that is radical generosity. But if I could encourage us a little bit more in one area, it is. Uh, in our giving, right? Financially. And again, we're doing well, so much better than we did before. Uh, But, you know, a part of moving out of home, right? And starting our own church and paying our own rent and, you know, paying for our own food, you know, in that analogy, uh, it kind of means that money really matters. You know, money is a a pragmatic uh, thing that will either uh, stop or help our ministry. And, you know, we're really blessed at Kingsway that we have Uh, Peter and Daniel, right? Uh, We have, uh, Peter's graduated, Daniel's going to graduate at the end of the year. uh, It's so hard to find English-speaking second-gen pastors, right? Uh, Korean pastors, like, call me all the time. I could name right now, like, at least five off the top of my head, uh, churches that want people like Peter and Daniel, you know, English-speaking guys uh, at their church. Um, And we're so super lucky to have them. Um, But realistically, uh, they need, like to find a job and a part of that is is on the church and you know peter daniel i the interim council we're going to have just you know kind of frank transparent conversation soon about you know what's the future going to look like um but you know the hurdle is like can we afford to hire you know people and you know one question is do we need to Uh, but the other question is you know can we can we and it'd be awesome if in the near future that we were able to you know support them and have staff you know, at Kingsway. Uh, the number that I've been told is that you want a full-time pastor for about 80 people. I know, I know that's not how the Korean church works, um, but in the ideal world, uh, 80 people, you'd have a full-time pastor. We're at 60. Uh, when we launch, hopefully, we tip over to the 80. And so we're, you know, we're basically looking at hiring a second full-time pastor even now. And so uh, you know, that's kind of where we want to get to. If we crunch the numbers, um, that's a stretch for us right now. And so, you know, just want to encourage us to continue to be generous. I know we've been, but we want to continue to be like that. You know, I hear of Aussie churches who have like, I don't know, 80 people and they have four full timers. I don't know how they do it, um, but you know, it's possible when you look at churches like that. All right, number four. uh, Missional disciples. This correlates with the go, right? This is the go. And I've talked about this. This is a, a phrase that it uh, gives me red squiggly lines whenever I type it. Um, and Keynote actually uh, corrected the word disciples because it's not a real word. But um, we, we value this idea that we uh, want to be missional disciples. Um, these are two things here, really, missional and disciples. In Acts 1, uh, we see the Lord speaking to his disciples. Um, and there's two things he challenges them on. Right? And I've talked about this as well. The first thing is that they should be contributors and not consumers. The question that the disciples ask is, Lord, will you, right? Will you at this time restore the kingdom? But Jesus flips it around and says, no, no, you're not a consumer here. That's just spectating and watching what I'm doing. You are a contributor, right? And then he says in verse eight, hey, what does he say? But you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. Right? Jesus flips it on them. You are the ones who are uh, on the all-star team. You are the ones who are making this happen. Right? So again, this is where the word disciples come in because disciples often sounds passive. Right? I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Right? But if I ask you, are you a disciple? I'm like, oh, am I? Am I investing into people? Am I helping people mature? Am I bringing people to, to church and to the faith? And, and all of that stuff. Am I active in this? disciple are the second way that Jesus flips it is that he makes them look outward um, and not just inward the question oh, the question that they ask is uh, will you restore the kingdom to Israel right which is like they're Jewish it's about us but Jesus flips it in verse 8 to make them think outward right you'll be my witnesses in not just Israel and not just the people of Israel but to Jerusalem Judea, Sumeria, to the ends of the earth, right? He's pushing them constantly, missional, missional, right? And so we're aiming for missional and not just maturity, right? Outward, and not just to the people who are here, but to the people who are not here, not in the church, right? So we're missional, not mature. If we aim for missional, I said, maturity will, will come along with it. Right? When we go out there and we're trying to bring people to church and we're saying, yeah, I'm a Christian to people and trying to have uh, gospel conversations, it will make you grow and become more mature. Also, disciples, is not disciples because if you want disciples, you need disciples. Right? You need people who are going out there investing into one another. And this is the value for all of us. All of us. Right? We're trying to be missional disciples. This is really pushing against gravity. Because the natural forces of gravity will draw us inward and make us think about me, me, I'm a consumer, feed me, take care of me. I want to be mature, But right? It's pushing that the other way. It's about you and how can I invest into you and how can I look outward to those who aren't here? This value shows up again in a whole bunch of different ways. When We rock up on Sunday. It's not about what can I get? It's about what can I give? Who can I serve? But right? who is here that I can reach out to? It changes the way that we think about relationships, whether at uni or at work or our friends or our parents or the people that we cross paths with at the park. But right? I want to be missional. Right? So I'm here to be a witness and an ambassador for Christ. But it changes the way that we, we complain, I think. Right? Because uh, when you're caught up with what you can get, you're gonna complain about what you're not getting. But if you're here thinking about what can I give, where well, you're too busy contributing and being the change to complain about the small things, right? It flips the understanding of your role in your teams, whether it's in ministry or growth group, because you're not just there again to be taken care of by the leader, right? My ministry leader is meant to take care of me. My growth group leader is meant to take care of me. No, no, no. you're the discipler, right? So who can you invest into? How can you contribute? in that group or team, right? You may not be the most spiritual, the most knowledgeable, but maybe there is someone who you can kind of walk alongside. You can teach some things to someone, right? That is your place in each of these teams and groups, right? So missional disciples, we're constantly pushing for that kind of attitude. And lastly, we're gospel-centered. And this aligns with the glory of God. You know, I wasn't originally going to have gospel centered uh, because it kind of felt a bit too obvious, right? Like, oh, I don't need that. Of course, we're gospel centered um, But as I thought about it, it's not really so obvious that a church would be gospel centered. And you know, there's many churches out there that uh, aren't gospel centered. Um, and the fact that it is obvious to us, I don't know if it's obvious to you. Um, the fact that it's obvious to us means that it's already a value and Really, this, this is um, a big one for us, right, that we are all about the gospel. I won't talk too much about this because, you know, it comes up in so many ways. We talk about it all the time. But, you know, for me, glorifying God and being all about the gospel, they're very close to one another. Um, and when you think about it, uh, all the other values are related to the gospel. Our life together, we share life together because we share grace where right? we've been saved by grace. Right? We're passionate about theology and what we're really most passionate about is the gospel. Generosity, I said, is the gospel right? understood and experienced and then poured out. We're missional disciples because the gospel compels us to go, right, and proclaim the gospel. Right? So in all these ways, even we are gospel centered. But being gospel centered shows up again in our singing. Right? We will sing you know, thick theological songs, but again, also we sing gospel songs. We sing songs that you know, unpack for us, again, the ideas of sin and Jesus dying on the cross. And now what does that mean for us? Right? We love to sing about the songs. That's not all we sing, but we love to sing it, right? In Revelation, right, that is what they proclaim, worthy as a lamb who was slain. Right? Being gospel-centered means when we come to the Bible, it affects how we read it. We pull on that scarlet thread, right? You get to the Old Testament, there's a thread, you pull on it, and it leads you to Jesus Christ. And how we fulfilled all things at the cross, right? So it affects the Bible reading. It affects the preaching. It affects the teaching. Being gospel-centered kind of shows up in a whole bunch of ways. How you treat failure. Right? How you treat you know, other people um, who, who have failed themselves and sinned. It affects how you think about obedience, right? It makes it joyful because of grace. Right? I don't have to work, but I choose to work. Right? It affects productivity, Right? Some of you are reading um, that book on productivity. Right? I forgot what it's called. Uh, what's best next? Right? That, one of the things it talks about is that we don't have to be productive as Christians right? because we're about grace, but we can be. Right? You have the freedom to be productive. But it affects the way you think about salvation. It affects what we preach. We preach Christ crucified. It affects our relationships, etc., etc. et, cetera, et cetera, right? Being gospel-centered really is a value that shows up in many ways. And so these are the five values um, at Kingsway. Right? And these bleed into a whole bunch of things. Right? Just to recap, this is our vision. To see the gospel revive our generation and beyond. Right? That's where we want to get to. We want to get to a place God willing where we'll look around and we've seen the gospel right, bring revival to our generation and then reach out beyond that. Our mission is to love the king, live his way. This is what we're doing daily, weekly. I'm not loving the king. Am I living his way? Am I helping people love the king, live his way? Am I helping non-believers love the king, live his way? And these are our values. These color everything we do. These characterize what we do. We're doing life together. And this shows up in a lot of different things. We're passionate and theological. We value radical generosity. missional disciples and gospel-centered. Right. These things should really um, be in our DNA and people should be able to step into Kingsway and feel this right, in all the things that we say, the things that we do, right, that this and these things are the things that we, we value. Right. And so uh, we're going to split up and maybe have a chat for about um, maybe 20 minutes. And the question is, which of these values challenge you the most and why? And then how can you, you yourself, I'll live out one of these values more. Okay. Okay. So let me share, uh, these questions. Maybe the first question is what are the values you can try to remember. Um, okay. Uh, Everyone should be in a group. You can press join and we'll see you at 1045.